Welcome to the Babble Podcast. I'm your host, Paige Brees, and I am so happy to have you here for some raw and real conversation. People say you should never discuss politics, money, or religion. Well, not here. This is a safe space to dive deep into how religion as a whole has affected our hearts, our minds, and our world. (laughs) The good, the bad, and the ugly. We all have a seat at the table, and I invite you to sit with me as I talk with religious leaders, experts, and friends alike. So, without further ado, let's babble. Hello, hello, my beautiful humans. <laughs> I, oh, I'm so happy you decided to push play on this episode. But y'all, I'm going to get real in this episode. I am talking about something that just grinds my gears to the highest extent about my experience. It is an experience I had as a high schooler, and it is a multifaceted experience. However, I am just going to focus in on one particular part of it because I have found whenever people ask me, you know, what is the thing about your youth group experience that you feel impacted you the most, which is an incredibly difficult question, I might add, the answer I always come to, the thing that always comes up for me is the story I am about to tell you now. So a little bit of background information to give you some context for this experience, for this story I'm about to tell you. I was a Christian, all right, a non-denominational Christian. And I had been very involved in the church since the seventh grade. Um, At this point in time, when this particular story happened, it was, I believe, my sophomore, maybe junior year of high school. At this point, I had entirely submerged myself into becoming that ultimate youth group girl, right? Like I was being mentored by the head of our youth group girls ministry. Um, I was in the worship team. I was on leadership, like student leadership, anything I could be doing to show that I am a 100% church gal, I was doing that. And that was basically half of my life. The other half was theater. Obviously, I'm an actress. For those of you who know me, for those of you who don't know me, I'm an actor. Um, Have been since I was in third grade. And yeah, during late middle school into high school, my church was a huge part of my life and a huge part of my identity. And I knew it. I knew that I was 
that girl. <laughs> I was very much trying to be that girl. I was trying to be the it girl, the girl that did all the right things and said all the right things and everybody could look up to the role model. I was trying to be that girl in my high school youth group. So there's your context for this story that I am about to tell you. So let's dive in. <laughs> Alrighty. So to start off, this story surrounds the concept of a dress code, which we all have had experiences with the dress code inside of church and outside of church because the public school system as well as the private school system, obviously with uniforms, but the school system in general, um, at least here in the United States, is very much a restrictions-based dress code. You can only wear certain things, particularly if you are a woman. If you're a female, the restrictions on your clothing and what is permissible and what is not is much more, it's just much more <laughs> than your typical restrictions on what guys can wear. You know, for girls, if you were wearing shorts or a skirt, you know, it, it had to be past your fingertips when they are, when your arms are straight down by your sides. Obviously that's a very poor measure because everyone's body is different. Um, for example, for me, I have a shorter torso, long legs and long limbs comparatively, like relatively speaking for my body. So I couldn't get away with wearing slightly shorter shorts or short, sh slightly shorter skirts. <laughs> Little tongue twister in there. Um, I couldn't get away with wearing shorter pieces of clothing because it just, my arms were too long for my torso. So I always had to wear like the Bermuda shorts and the, you know, the skirts that didn't, I didn't want them to go past my knees, but they couldn't go too far up my knees either. And it was just, yeah, so that one was always weird for me. And then obviously with shirts, your straps on your shirt had to be at least three fingers wide. So no tank tops, no spaghetti straps, no tube tops. Um, Cause how dare we show our shoulders completely, right? Or our collarbones. <gasps> Everyone loves a good collarbone. <laughs> And I pride myself on my collarbones. I have nice collarbones, but I couldn't show them, damn it. <laughs> but anyway, dress codes were very much a thing in both school and obviously in church. And I knew this. This was very obvious to me. I had been in public school for my whole life. I knew what a dress code was. I knew what was appropriate and what wasn't appropriate. And Obviously, being in my church, I knew what was appropriate and what wasn't appropriate. However, again, I would believe it was late sophomore year, maybe early junior year. I can't remember the exact time, but I was that girl in my youth group 
that everyone looked up to that did all the right things and said all the right things and was in leadership and on the worship team and being mentored by like the woman of our youth group, all that jazz. Like I was that girl. And I figured that I could get away with anything, not anything, but I could get away with wearing something off dress code if I wanted to. I truly did think that. I didn't, I thought maybe I would get like a little talking to, I thought that maybe, you know, say, hey, just don't do that again, okay? Like, no, no big deal, you're fine. Um, but at our church, when somebody, well, I won't say somebody because it wasn't true for men. Whenever a girl in our youth group would show up in something that did not fit dress code, or that was at all deemed inappropriate for whatever reason, she had two options if she were pulled aside by leadership, by the the leaders of our youth group. Her two options were to leave or to wear the trench coat of shame. Yeah, you heard me. The trench coat of shame. Let me tell you how I describe it in my book because I feel like it is the best depiction of what this thing was. And we truly did, it, like, I'm not, I didn't make up the name, the trench coat of shame. It, it literally, that's what we called it in our youth group was a trench coat of shame. And everyone knew what it was. Everyone knew what it meant. And it was hilarious. Okay. So this is an excerpt from the book that I originally was writing, but I'm telling, I'm not publishing it anymore. So here we go. It's one thing to have an office visit due to your tank top being too thin. It's another thing entirely to be sentenced with the trench coat of shame. Ah, yes, the trench coat of shame, a literal trench coat, beige, large, and long with a wide lapel and a big brown and big brown buttons. When a girl wore something that was just repulsively inappropriate, if she wanted to stay at church, she had to put on the trench coat of shame. I'd watch girls choose humiliation over being outcast. And at first, I would absolutely judge them. Oh, she should have followed the rules. Why didn't she think she'd get away with something like that, et cetera, et cetera. But then I would immediately feel bad for them. Choosing the trench coat of shame was the youth group equivalent of walking naked through the city streets while the disgruntled citizens throw shit at you while a largely... or uh, Choosing the trench coat of shame was the youth group equivalent of walking naked through the city streets while the disgruntled citizens throw shit at you while a strangely large nun follows behind you with a bell. Shame. Shame. <laughs> but that would never happen to me. I told myself that I could push the boundaries of dress code, but that my status in the youth group as a leader would never sentence me to the trench coat of shame. Until it happened. <laughs> yeah, until it happened. It did happen to me. I 
they, they stuck it on me. <laughs> and I'm seeing here now in my notes that the date was 20, 2011. That was, um, yeah, I had the timeline right. End of, end of sophomore year, beginning of junior year. And yeah, I had bought a new dress and I loved it more than anything. It was a maxi dress, floor length, cotton poly blend, a sort of like a clay orange. Like think of the ideal Southwestern aesthetic type of orange. It had a sweetheart neckline, baby doll waistline, which was huge at that time. Everyone loved a good little baby doll waistline. And it just laid loose enough to be considered like flowy, but just tight enough to perfectly fall around my little butt. Give me a little curve. Oh. But it was strapless. It was strapless. And I decided, screw it. I love this dress. It looks weird with a cardigan. And there's no way that I am attempting to tuck a t-shirt into the top of this dress because that was another way you could get away with, you know, wearing a strapless dress. Girls, I'm sure you've done this too. Is you would try to, like you'd wear a tank top or a t-shirt that was kind of tight and then pull the dress over top of that t-shirt to make it look like it was ugh, just, I, I hated it. I hated the look and I just, I wasn't doing it. I refused. So I wore that dress to church as it was. Strapless, no cardigan, no tucked t-shirt, just as it was. And I walked into that youth group, beaming with confidence and suppressing that sliver of fear that I felt. And I immediately got compliments. I got compliments from my friends and their words of affirmation just made me feel so awesome and so free. And a few minutes went by without being pulled by an adult leader in the room. So I thought for a moment that I was actually going to get away with this. That, like I was going to be okay. And then, <laughs> and then my mentor asks to talk to me in her office. And because she and I were so close and I had the status of a leader in the youth group, I honestly thought that she would just give me the do better next time talk. Like I said earlier, like, Nothing I couldn't handle. A little slap on the wrist, move on. No big deal. Nope. She said, Paige, I've been told by some of the adult male leaders that your choice of dress is distracting to them. It's absolutely inappropriate for church. I'm going to have to ask you to put on the trench coat of shame for the rest of the service today or I'm gonna to have to ask you to leave the service. I was stunned, but not, uh, ultimately it wasn't because I was being given the trench coat of shame. What she'd said in the first half of her statement is what got me. The adult male leaders are distracted by your choice of dress. I am a high school girl and the adult male leaders were distracted by my exposed shoulders and my fucking collarbones. I was numb just sitting there in that office and processing the information that had just been presented to me. I simply said, okay, 
and I put on the trench coat of shame and I walked back into my youth group feeling like I was naked in the city streets with my mentor following behind me. She didn't have a bell, but the way everyone's eyes turned to see me walk in with that trench coat of shame on, she might as well have had a bell. And I've been saying shame, shame. So from that moment on, it was embedded into my head that my choice of dress has some kind of profound effect on the people around me. And that I have the power to sway men. It was up to me, a high school girl, to protect the sanctity of the men around me, grown or otherwise. How I felt about the way I dressed didn't matter. It didn't matter if my intention was to seduce or to simply project confidence. The assumption would always fall to the former. If exposed skin was involved, it's just, when you tell a young girl that her bare shoulders or her bare knees are distracting to the men around her and that it's completely her fault that they've looked at her in that way, you have planted the seed in her head that she cannot do anything in life without considering how her actions are going to affect the people, specifically the men around her. And from then on, I made sure to follow the dress code while I was at church. I mean, don't get me wrong, I still had my budding, confident inner queen telling me to keep wearing my Hot Topic nerdy punk style, but the good church girl in my head was making sure that I did it modestly. And I hated it. I hated it every day for the rest of my young adult life. I refused to form any sense of individualized style. I wore what I thought was proper decorum going into college, what I thought was appropriate for an 18 to 22-year-old college student studying theater performance at a private Christian university in Central Texas. What is that, you may ask? It's jeans when they were clean, leggings every other time, t-shirts I got for free during my orientation and then every other college function I attended, hoodies, sneakers, and if you're feeling fancy, sundresses with cardigans. <laughs> oh, man. And the re listen, y'all, the real page, the real me, the, the true core page, <laughs> she wants to wear ripped skinny jeans, like vans or combat boots, vests. I love a vest. Leather jackets, red lace bralettes under low-cut black tank tops. The real Paige wants to feel confident and edgy and herself. And she so envied the women that she saw around her who were completely unapologetically themselves. You want to know the difference that I noticed between the girls who were unapologetic and then the girls like me who were just average? I mean... There are lots of things, but one was confidence and another was how they understood their religion, how they understood what it meant to them to be a Christian or not at all, 
religious or whatever it might have been. I was just average in my outfit choices and my appearance because I thought that's what a Christian girl was. I was average because a Christian girl should never attract attention. I was average because I didn't believe that I was supposed to be anything different. Like, <laughs> I, I just can't get over that one thing. I mean, obviously, if you've grown up in church or a church similar to the one I grew up in, and this is going to be a whole other episode, you know that the church teaches young girls from a very young age that it is their responsibility, like I said, to not tempt men. It's up to us to do that. And it was that moment, the trench coat of shame moment, that just, you know, nailed the hammer or (laughs) nailed the nail, hammered the nail. (laughs) I can't get this. (laughs) I can't get this right. It was that moment with the trench coat of shame that hammered that nail into the coffin for me that really drove it home that and ever since then from that moment on you know I had been up until that point I had been experimenting with my outfits and my appearance and my style and figuring out who I was and that kind of like what I mentioned she was a little bit more like punk, a little bit more pop, like pop punk, kind of edgy-ish, kind of like, but sexy, but classy. Like she was finding herself and oh my God, I loved it. I loved who I was. I loved the outfits I wore. I felt amazing. And ever since that trench coat of shame moment, I lost all of that. I suppressed that page for years in order to try and become the page I thought I was supposed to be for my religion based on what the church told me I was supposed to be. And that is destructive as hell. And I just, I wanted to share that story with you and I hope that it resonates with you. I hope that also I'm not saying that all churches do this. I'm not saying that my church had any ill will with that trench coat of shame, but I don't know, (laughs) you know, it certainly seems like they were trying to humiliate the young girls into doing what they thought was right. And maybe that was the case and maybe that wasn't, but that seems like it, it, it just, you know, how else can you really explain that? And I hope that if you've had a similar experience to this or if you feel like whether you identify as a woman or as a man or you don't identify with gender at all, no matter what, if you grew up in a scenario similar to this where a group of people or mentors or a group of leaders 
are telling you that you should never express yourself through clothing or through appearance or that your clothing and your appearance need to be decided or influenced by how you will affect the people around you in the sense of, you know, oh, I'll make them uncomfortable or, oh, I will tempt them to have sex with me or whatever. They'll tempt, I'll tempt them to lust after me and all of that. If, if you've ever felt that way and it feels wrong to you, it probably is. And you're probably suppressing who you really are as a human and what you love and how you want to authentically express yourself. And you may not realize it. You may not. You, you may have never really sat down and been like, okay, is, is suppressing my inner self, my, my true self, my heart, my identity of who I am really? as a human, is that worth this? Is that worth the church? Is that worth my belief of this particular part of my teaching? Is it worth it? And if it is for you, then perfect, amazing, keep doing what you're doing. Again, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not. I'm simply saying that for myself personally, it wasn't worth it to me because I am happier, I am more confident, I am more open, I am more understanding, I am more willing to receive when I allow myself to not worry about the external coming to my internal. This is something that one of my more current mentors said to me, and it wasn't on this particular context or on this particular topic, but I feel like it applies. Um, Her name is Rachel Yosefina, and she is amazing. She's a mindset coach, um, and I love her very, very much. She's not only a mentor, she is a friend. Um, She said, you cannot allow your external environment to affect your internal space. It needs to be the other way around. You need to focus on healing and understanding and manifesting and cultivating your internal, your soul, your heart, your mind, your body. Focus on making sure that that is exactly the way you feel is right, exactly the way you need it to be. And let your internal lead into your external. And ultimately, you will feel more confident, more fulfilled, more purpose-driven. And what people think about you doesn't matter. If you are impacting your world in a positive way, people will see that. And if that means that you wear low-cut tops and lace bralettes and combat boots and chains and you look punk rock as hell 
People who say, oh my God, you look like a devil worshiper or whatever they're going to say about you. Don't let them, don't listen to them. Keep doing you. And if you love, 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 love wearing, you know, um, mom jeans and sneakers and long sleeve oversized tops and baseball caps and people say, oh my God, you look like a 12 year old boy. Who the fuck cares? It doesn't matter. Like you can wear whatever you want. That is the, for me, that's the moral of the story. Wear whatever the fuck you want. Be you. Be you, whether you are religious or whether you are not, just be you. And if your religion doesn't accept you for being you, then maybe you should reconsider. But if they do, perfect. Love it. Keep doing it. No one should have to wear a trench coat of shame. Ever. I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening to this story. It is something, I mean, as you can see, I got pretty passionate there. <laughs> it's something that I'm very passionate about and something that I am still healing myself from. Um, I've gotten so much better about it, but there are still moments where I put something on or try something on in a store where I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Like I look incredible, but then I'm like, oh, but I can't wear it because it's too low cut. <laughs> Like, oh, my boobs look too good. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, it's a good problem to have, you know? But I still, I'm still working on getting myself out of that mindset. That, like, no, you can't wear that. You can't wear that. Guys are going to look at you. It's like, well, duh. My boobs are showing. People are going to look. But do I care? Do I feel confident? I feel confident. Am I going to have to get over the fact that, you know, guys might go, oh, look at boobs. Like, they're going to do that anyway. <laughs> So it's just, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. I'm still working on healing myself from this. And I hope that you feel confident enough to wear what makes your heart sing. I love you guys so much. And again, thank you so much for listening. If you love this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you could leave a review. Um, it just helps the podcast get to more people and it would seriously mean the world to me just to hear your feedback. I love you guys so much. I've said that like five times now, but I do. I'm just so happy and it, it gives me so much joy to have this space. Um, stick around for the next episode. It's going to be a good one and I will see you guys very soon. Bye.